Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. First time guests, we're so glad that you are here with us today. Just like Jeremy said, we hope that you felt welcomed and right at home. We are in the middle of hashtag blessed series. So would you turn to someone next to you and just go hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. We like to make church enjoyable, and that video was absolutely enjoyable because we use hashtags to describe so many things in our lives, don't we? Whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I remember hashtagging um, that my child, you know, is cute, and I'm putting up a picture. Hashtag looks like mom. Hashtag lucky. Hashtag doesn't look like dad. Stuff like that. You know, fun things. So we always have fun around here. Now, we're in the middle of this series, and today I want to continue with a topic because I'm a teacher at heart. I love, I count it an absolute privilege to get up here and to teach, to preach, and to lead at Avenue Church. It's it's one of my favorite things, is to teach the Word of God. Because I believe that if we can grasp the Word, the Bible tells us that when we hear it and we do it, we are blessed. But my passion is to teach it in such a way that it is understood and that you are able to walk out these doors and actually do it. That it's not something just to get up here and boast about or speak of, but it's something that can I walk away and can I do something with this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. How many parents are in the room here this morning? Raise your hand. Yes. Now, how many of you are parents of small children, preschool, toddler, infants? Yes, the ones who look like I should be double fisting coffee right now. Excellent. I feel (laughs) you. Now, when you were going to introduce food to your child for the very first time. You remember that? We had the the videos, all that. Were you taught to introduce them to the sweet stuff first, the sweet tasting fruit, or were you told to introduce them to the vegetable? Hear me. The vegetable, right? Because any baby in their right mind, whether they are six months, seven months, a year old, is going to prefer the sweet stuff, aren't they? Right? Well, Well, I think adults aren't all that different. And so if I were to ask you, Can I offer you a donut, or would you like some of this delicious raw broccoli? Most of you are going to say, can I have a donut, please, aren't you, right? Because the donut is sweet. The donut is a lot more tasty. It's a lot more pleasurable to eat. I feel a lot better when I'm eating, maybe not after, but while I'm eating this. When have you ever seen somebody lick their fingers after eating a piece of broccoli? Only if they got ranch on it. Come somebody. You've never seen somebody lick their fingers after they've had some broccoli. But, oh, if you've had a donut, you're licking that glaze off, right? You've got a little bit of sprinkle. You lick your finger just to get that sprinkle back up off the table and into your mouth, don't you? Chocolate frosting. We love donuts. Come on, somebody. I heard a rumor there's going to be a donut wall again next week for our trick-or-treat in the park. So make sure to be here because we like the sweet stuff. But here's the deal. I'm going to ask something of you this morning. I'm going to ask you to take a bite, a couple bites of some broccoli. I'm going to need you to eat some vegetables this morning. And I don't mean that in the literal sense, but I mean that in the spiritual sense. That I'm going to open up the Bible today because the Bible tells us that we grow by hearing the Word of God. But we are blessed when we do the Word of God. And so I want to set you up this morning for blessing but the topic that I'm going to talk about, I, I'm sorry, it's, it's not the sweetest of topics. It's not the applesauce of baby food. It's not that sweet kiwi or strawberry. It's a vegetable. And although it may not be the easiest to hear or the easiest to digest, I promise you it's going to benefit your life. 
And I would be doing a disservice. Because hear me, at Avenue, we want to be life-giving. But I understand that we can't have Jesus without having his word. He said that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. At Avenue, we're all about life-giving. We want to remove every obstacle somebody has between them and the Lord. We want to make it easy for people to come in here, have their children experience a life-giving church, have you come in and experience life-giving atmospheres of worship in the presence of God. But I can't neglect truth. And when we're in this hashtag blessed series, there are some things that I want to share with you. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you about finances. Now, everybody take a deep breath. Oh, shrug the shoulders a little bit. It's all good. It's going to be okay. I'm going to specifically talk to you about tithing. And the title of my message is hashtag blessed test. Hashtag blessed test. Let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, I am grateful that you love us more than anything in the world. I'm thankful for how much you've given for us. I thank you for being our father, our provider, that good, good God. But I ask right now in the name of Jesus, Father, that we would set all pre-thoughts aside. We would set aside our positions. We would set aside anything, God, that is going to hinder us from hearing your word. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I said it's called the blessed test. How is tithing a blessed test? Well, each time that you and I receive a paycheck, some of us receive weekly. Oh, I remember those days. Those were fun days. I remember I was only 18 years old, but I was receiving a weekly check, and that was awesome because I'm like, bam, hashtag adulting, right? But then you really felt hashtag adulting when you began paying bills. That's a whole other story. But we all receive a paycheck. We receive an income, and we are able to take that test with each and every paycheck. We're able to take the blessed test each time that we receive income coming in to our home, whether it's a check that we hold, it's a commission, it's a direct deposit. And here's why. The test comes in, what do we do with the first 10% of what we receive? The question is, who do we worship with the income that comes in? Who do we give thanks and gratitude for with that? So each and every time we've got income coming in, we are set up for the opportunity to have a blessed test, to be able to do this. Now let me stop there for a minute. Some of y'all, man, I picked the wrong Sunday to come to church. My bed was so warm this morning. I could have had a good game on. I want you to relax. I have absolutely no hidden agenda here today. The only agenda that I have as a pastor at this church is to teach the word of God and to set you into position so that God can bless your life in an area that he clearly, clearly marks out in scripture. And so I don't want you to think because some of us feel, man, all the church ever wants is money. All they ever talk is money. But I promise you there's no hidden agenda. Because I remember when I was 19 years old, I had been saved for only a year. I was a baby Christian. And I remember visiting a new church with a friend, and I sat down in this new church, and I remember I had $10 in my wallet. Now, I remember this because it was a rarity that I ever carried cash. Some of you are the same exact way. You never have cash. And it's kind of nice when your kids come up to you and say, hey, mom, can I have a dollar? Sorry, son, I only got the debit card today right? And I remember I had that $10 and I sat down in this itty bitty church in my chair. And the pastor after worship got up and he began to speak about giving. I'm not going to lie. He talked so long that I thought this was going to be his sermon for the evening. And he kept going and going and whatever it was, I wasn't liking it. Now hear me. I was a Christian. I had been a Christian for a year, but even more so than that, I was a tither. 
I believed in tithing. Before I ever gave my heart to Jesus, I watched my parents. After every paycheck, they paid tithe. I watched every Sunday as we went to church. My mom was making out what she saw as worship to God. And so it was nothing new to me, but yet I'm in this, this service, and for whatever reason, this preacher is just rubbing me the wrong way. And in my 19-year-old mind, I had decided there is no way that I'm going to give up this $10 in my pocket. This church is not getting my $10. But the more I sat there, the more I began to wrestle and feel uneasy with, well, maybe I'm supposed to give my $10. And then I would fight that back because I was a logical 19-year-old, okay? And I was like, well, maybe I'm just feeling pressured. Hmm. Maybe I'm just feeling guilty. And, or is this God? And I had such a struggle. But I was stubborn at 19. Come on, somebody. And I did not give up that $10. And at the end of the two-hour service, I said two hours. Avenue Church, one-hour service. You're welcome. Hashtag, you're welcome. But at the end of that two-hour service, that preacher came up to me. And he put something in my hand, and he said, the Lord told me to give this to you. Be blessed. And I could feel a crunchy piece of paper in my hand, and I go, whew. All of a sudden, I had such a deep feeling of embarrassment, of shame. I was completely sick to my stomach, even though I knew this preacher had no idea about the $10 in my wallet. Nobody knew about the $10. I had my game face on. All those thoughts were in my head. They weren't showing on my face. And yet he put something in my hand, and I remember I couldn't even look at it in front of him. And I turned around, and I walked out. I probably only took 20 steps to get out of this little church. And I opened up my hand, and it's $20. It is double what I had refused to give in that offering. And I learned a valuable lesson almost 15 years ago that day, that tithing and giving has absolutely nothing to do with the preacher, but it has everything to do with God. At 19 years old, I've learned one of the most valuable lessons, and I said to God that day, God, anytime you ask me to do something with my money, it's yours. Because that day I felt the feelings that I didn't want to feel when I felt like I disappointed, but I saw his grace. You see his grace in that. I didn't get taught a lesson by being embarrassed or shamed or, or spoken to. No, no, no. He blessed me in that. And I said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. So here's what I want to ask of you this morning. I want you to give me 20 to 25 minutes. That's it. And I want to be able to look at the Bible, and show you that tithing is biblical. I want to make a statement that there's a difference between giving and tithing. I'm only talking specifically about the tithe. I want to show you that it's in the Bible. But I also want to talk about some of the reasons why we feel we're not supposed to tithe or we don't tithe. I don't want to shy away from hard subjects this morning. Is that okay with you? I want to have an open, honest conversation because most importantly, I want to set you up and paint a vision for your future that God has blessings reserved for you. Blessings, not just of health, but financial blessings for you. And when we align ourselves with the principles found in his word, that is when those things come forth. And so I'm not teaching opinion up here. I'm just going to open the Bible for the next 20, 25 minutes. Can we do that? You guys are awesome. You're awesome. Let's do this. I want to show you taking notes. If you're taking notes, write this down. Tithing is biblical. What does that mean? It means that tithing is found in the Bible. I want to be super clear again. I'm talking about tithing, not just giving. See, giving and tithing are not the same thing, and I want to divine, define the tithe for you. Because tithing is a natural response to the provision of, and the goodness of God. It's our natural response of worship. It's our natural response of, wow, God, I'm grateful to his provision and his goodness in our life. 
In Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says this, one-tenth of all the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit of the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. So a tithe is exactly what it means, one-tenth. It means 10%. That's it. What I love about God is that he didn't give an annual number. He said, no, it's a percentage that I am over everything. I blessed you with all, but I'm specifically reserving one-tenth of what comes into your life financially to come back over to him. So it's completely reserved for God. So one-tenth, so that, the one-tenth does not change whether it's $30, $3,000, or $300,000. God has reserved it that one-tenth is holy and it belongs to the Lord. It's designated to the Lord. So let me explain the purpose of tithe now that we understand that it just means one-tenth set apart back to God. The purpose of tithe is to position us in gratitude and worship for the provision of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, this is awesome. If you know any of the story of how God's people were formed together, or if you remember being in Sunday school and you're hearing about Moses or Father Abraham, I want to talk to you right here about Deuteronomy chapter 26. See, God had taken people out of Egypt. He had taken this group of people that were his children who were in captivity. They had come from Abraham, they'd come from Isaac, they'd come from Jacob. So all those names that you've heard about in the Old Testament, this is their lineage. This was a people that was supposed to be blessed, that had promises on their life, promise for provision and goodness of God. But yet they find themselves entrapped and imprisoned in Egypt. And we know this for hundreds of years they were enslaved. But we know the story that God raised up a leader, Moses. And Moses went on to Pharaoh, who was over Egypt, and he said, let my people go. We know this story. If you want a good cartoon for your kid, look at Prince of Egypt. He designed it so that his people can now exit captivity and start their journey on to the promised land. Well, we know a little bit about that story, man. That was one heck of a ride. That was a long time in the wilderness. That was a lot of complaining and all that jazz. And Moses wasn't the actually person to take them into the promised land. Joshua was. So Joshua, this new leader who was raised up under Moses, takes the people to the promised land. And God institutes right then and there that this is your land. This is my promise to you. This is what I've done to deliver to you to a land of milk and honey, a land that is fruitful and bountiful, but I'm going to set something up. And that is that when you take these fruits of the land, when you begin to get this increase, I want you to set aside a tenth to me. I want you to bring an offering to me that is holy. And here's why, because he says that it's an act of worship. It says that the Lord brought them out of Egypt with a strong hand and powerful arm and overwhelming, with overwhelming terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and he gave us this land flowing with milk and honey. And now, O oh Lord, I have brought you the first portion of the harvest that you have given me from the ground. Then place the produce before the Lord your God and bow to the ground and worship before him. Afterward, you may go and celebrate because of all the good things the Lord has given to you. So hear me, friends, tithing isn't a burden. Tithing is a principle in which God has arranged, arranged for us so that we can worship him with gratitude and return one-tenth of all that he's given us to him. So the first and foremost purpose is that you and I would worship with gratitude, that we would see that all things belong to the Lord, but one-tenth is he asking. Why? Why? Because the second purpose of tithing is to support the house of worship. 
to be a place where people can come and honor the Lord their God, to offer worship, to offer offerings, to be in the presence of the Lord, and to impact the community, to care for the poor, to care for the widow, to be a house of worship. In our 2017, it's to be the local church. So that is the purpose of the time. Now let me explain something to you as a church. Ricardo, can I have that bucket, please? Okay. Bosma's had fried chicken last night for dinner in order to get this bucket. <laughs> Let me explain. We believe as a church so much here at Avenue that tithing is an act of worship, that if you have been with us for any amount of time, an item to collect offering has never been passed at this church. Now, I'm not saying any church that does that is wrong. No, absolutely not. There are ways in which we are called to give. It has nothing to do with the preacher. It has nothing to do with the church. It has to do with our relationship with the Lord. But we have removed any obstacle between the person who's getting to know the Lord. Now, we have ways in giving. But we have realized that when I place something in front of you, that may be the reason or the need that we say, ooh, it's, it's, it's under compulsion. See, we're removing that. Does that make sense? We're removing it so that you can see fully that when we say that we believe giving is an act of worship, when we believe tithing is not done under compulsion, but with a cheerful heart to God in gratitude for his goodness, we stand behind what we believe. And at Avenue, we want to be a life-giving church that removes any excuse that people say that I can't, I can't be a part of the local church. No, you belong in the local church, amen? God has a plan for you. To know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in your church and in your community. And so we've removed that obstacle. So I hope that relaxes you a little bit. After this message, I'm not going to put something in front of you. I'm simply sharing because I want to help you get aligned so that God can pour out a blessing in your life, and we're going to get to that. So tithing is biblical. It's found throughout all Scripture. Also, tithing is timeless. Write that down. Tithing is timeless, meaning it wasn't a fad or a trend now, or it wasn't relevant 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago and not relevant now. No, it's absolutely relevant now. It is timeless. See, one of the biggest arguments you'll hear in people circles or in the church circle is that they respond in saying, tithing is of the Old Testament. It's part of the law. I'm not under the law, so therefore I have no responsibility to tithe. I'm a New Covenant Christian. I'm a New Testament Christian. Well, let me explain this to you. Before the law was ever written. So in the Bible, what we just read in Deuteronomy, God gave his people provisions. He gave his people ordinances, things that you can do so that we can stay in right relationship. Okay? But before there was ever a law, before there was ever Moses, before there was ever Egypt, there was Abraham. Abraham was a simple man. A man who loved God with all his heart. A man who had absolutely no children. But God spoke to him and said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. See all these stars in the sky? See all the sand in the sea or by the sea? You're not even going to amount to those. You're going to surpass them. There's not enough stars in the sky to show the line that I'm going to put through you. And he's saying, what do you mean? I ain't got no kids. He was 90 years old and still had no kids. But God proclaimed, I'm going to promise you something. I'm going to bless you. And as God started putting blessings in his life, it was Abraham's natural response that when he came to God, it says he gave him a tenth of everything that he had. Hear me. Nobody ever told him that. Nobody ever said, I want you to, to set aside one-tenth of all you've been blessed with, Abraham. Now, back then, they didn't, they didn't have money like we had money. 
They had livestock. They had produce. They had harvest. That was their monetary means. That was their way of life. And no one told him, I need you to set aside one-tenth. He didn't look in the how to love God, uh, you know, little Rolodex or whatever and pull out an information card and, oh, I give one-tenth. No. He didn't go to how to be blessed 101 and it told him one-tenth. No. It was out of his heart that he gave. Same thing with Jacob. Jacob. Now, Jacob (laughs) is Abraham's grandson. This was a messed up dude. Let's just be honest. Homie lied. Homie lied a lot. But God still had a promise over his life, and God did not abandon him nor forsake him. And so when he wakes up from a dream where God spoke to him and said, Oh, son, you don't even know. I am going to bless you beyond what you can even imagine. His natural response, even as a man on the run, even as a man in in just this problematic situation that he lied, in his natural response, he goes, if you're going to do these promises in my life, I'm going to give you one-tenth of everything that I have. It was natural. It was natural. So before there was ever the law, there was giving. There was one-tenth set aside as a tithe to honor the Lord, your God, for provision and goodness. And so the same thing happens within the law, that that is written out for the people of God to be a blessing, not a hindrance. I hear people all the time, I don't, I don't have enough finances to tithe. Well, you don't know what blessing is until you truly do tithe. I remember my parents, when um, the recession hit and they lost their company, they always told me, Lindsay, we can't afford not to tithe. Because they understood that there is a, a blessing that outpours financially when you give to God what he has written in his word. And so, in Another um, thing that we talk about and we hear is that, well, Jesus, if Jesus ties, then maybe, maybe I will tie because I, I'm a New Testament Christian. What about Jesus? Well, Jesus absolutely spoke of tithing. And in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, he was talking about the Pharisees, and Jesus was always messed up about religious people who wanted to be religious and not love people. Let's be honest. He never liked people who claimed to love God with all their heart who claim to do all the things you're supposed to do as a religious person, but they were void of mercy, justice, love. And this is what he says to them. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are careful to the, even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. He means, man, you are tithing off the smallest stuff. You're making sure it's just not the big grains coming in. You're going through everything that you have, even the little herbs that you season your food with. You are giving God that tithe. But the problem is you ignore the important aspects of the law. You ignore justice and mercy and faith. You should tithe, but do not neglect the more important things. See, what's so amazing, in 2017, we have the ability to follow the word of God but be in love with God and love his people. In my small group on Wednesday, I meet with a great group of women. And yes, there's one of them. (laughs) But I meet with a great group of women. And we were talking about what are we passionate about. And I told them one of my passions is the local church. I absolutely love the local church. And so I don't have a void of love for God. I don't have a void of love for people. And I do tithe, and I am a recipient of that blessing. So why wouldn't I want that for my church? Why wouldn't I want that for the people of God who call Avenue home? So Jesus spoke of it. It's all throughout the Bible, and it's even before the law ever took place. So tithing is timeless, and it's also a blessed test. Write this down. 
Tithing is a blessed test. It's a test of man's heart. God is saying, I haven't changed. Check this out. In Malachi chapter 3, this is probably the most famous scripture on giving and tithing. You've probably heard this over and over again in church circles or whatnot. But in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says this. He says, for I am the Lord and I do not change. Aren't you all glad that God does not change? I'm so grateful that he doesn't wake up one day and is on the wrong side of the bed or he's moody someday because you know that with your spouse, you know good days and bad days. You know when you can tell them, I deemed the car today and you know when you're supposed to wait till tomorrow and just put the car in another place, right? Let's be honest. I'm thankful that God does not change, that his love for us is not based upon a good day or a bad day. And so he continues to say, therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Meaning, you're lucky I don't change because I would have done wiped you out by now. You're lucky I don't change and that I'm still a God of love. I'm still a God of justice. I'm still a God of mercy because I would have consumed you had I not been this God. Yet the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. And, I, and you have not kept them. So what God is saying is that from long ago, from the days of the generations before you, you've walked away from doing what I've written out for you to do. You've gotten yourself out of alignment with me. There's this broken channel that once we had in which I would bless you. This was a people of God that was supposed to be blessed more than any other nation ever to, ever to live, ever to walk this earth. And yet something was broken, something was disconnected, and he's saying that you stopped doing these ordinances. Return to me, God says, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? So God is acknowledging that something's broken here, guys. That you're not living the blessed life that I've called you to. You're not living and standing in the promises that I proclaimed over you so many years ago to set you apart, a nation, a city on a hill, blessed beyond measure. You are my chosen people. And yet we're disconnected. We're out of alignment. I went to the chiropractor on Monday. I was out of alignment. I had been sick. I had binge-watched so many shows on my couch. You know when you lay down a long time, stuff's not right. My chiropractor I've been going to for years, he aligned my neck. And he said it sounded like he had stepped on a bag of Fritos when he aligned my neck. And I said, well, Doc, that's why I'm here. (laughs) Because I feel like I got a bag of Fritos in my neck. But when things are out of alignment... It doesn't function the way it's supposed to function. There's not the peace. There's not the strength. And hear me, when we're out of alignment in the ordinance of God for our finances, there cannot be the overflow of blessings that he's intended to give you. You see, testing, this blessed test isn't just about us. It's about God. So tithing isn't just a test of our heart. It's not just a test of saying, ooh, do, do I trust you? Do I believe, God, that that you've positioned me and you've given me this talent? You've given uh, me the ability to work and walk out this life? You've blessed me with gifts beyond measure, understanding beyond my experience and years when somebody else should have gotten that promotion because they were way overqualified than I was. Do I recognize that God so set me up to bless me? And so it's a matter of the heart. But God is saying, guess what? Tithing isn't just a test for you. Tithing's a test for me. And here in the Bible, God says this. Will you put me to the test? Will you ask me to prove to you? 
And hear me, he says, says the Lord of hosts. He says it all the time because he wants you to know it's not the preacher saying that God wants to put you or to have you put him to the test. He's saying, I want you to put me to the test and see that I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. Hear me, I see way too many Christians struggling and you are working beyond 40 hours. You are prepping, you are putting aside for retirement. You are trying to make reasonable and right plans for your future, but there's still a struggle. And God is saying, I need you to trust me. Trust me that all I'm asking for, the ton of tempers 100% belongs to the Lord, but I'm asking that you would set aside 10% of your earnings and see that I can't do more with 90% than you can do with 100%. See, 90% of our income coming in, blessed by the hand of God, can go so much further, can go beyond you. I remember one time I was in a place of worship and it was a worship night at my last church and I was just crying out to God. And God began to speak to me and he gave me a word. He said, Lindsay, I'm going to give you the authority right now to not just bless Levi, but we're gonna bless Levi's children, right? I want you to know that when we set ourselves up in alignment, financially with how God has set up for income, that we are going to receive a blessing that not just affects us, but affects our, our generations to come. That I'm leaving a legacy to my son, not just a legacy of I love Jesus, but a legacy that my God is good and my God provides and my God pours out blessings that this little five foot six body cannot contain because that is how good he is. But hear me. This portion of scripture, when he says, I want to pour out a blessing that you cannot contain, that you don't have vats or anything large enough to store, that blessing is only in working with the tithe. You can't remove the tithe and think that I can position myself for blessing in this particular instance. It's about the tithe. He says, you're not going to have room enough to receive it. And not only am I going to pour out a blessing for you, but I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. See, there's an enemy that wants to break apart your life. Come on. The reason why most people divorce is because of money. One of the top things that we ever do in premarital counseling is we say, you're going to have fights as a marriage. I don't care if you both love Jesus more than you love your spouse. You are going to have fights in marriage. And there are five things in which most couples fight on. The number one thing is money. It's usually not the overflowing of money. It's the lack thereof or where something needs to go or what priorities are. And we tell these couples that this is going to be an issue in your marriage if you don't have a biblical viewpoint on it, if you don't live out the ordinances. Because the devil wants to devour families. He wants to devour legacies and accounts and resources. And God is saying, I'm going to protect that. Nor shall the vine, the vine to bear fruit on your field. It's not going to get destroyed, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. How awesome is that? The Lord of hosts says you will be a delightful land. Friends, i got to tell you, I've been a Christian since I was 18. I've tithed since I was 18. At that 19-year-old moment, I made a decision, God, whatever you ask of me financially, I'm going to give to you. And I've never gone without. 
I bought a home when I had absolutely no savings in my account. We were two years into the ministry, didn't have a lick of nothing. And yet God arranged it so that we could have a beautiful home. When we came here to plant Avenue Church, we decided in our hearts we're going to obey God. Because hear me, when God asks you to do something and step out of faith, he's going to provide the provision for your dream. But it's going to cost you faith. And sometimes faith is linked to our money. Why? Because our trust and our control is so desperately linked to our money. And I remember when we sold our house to move over here to plant a church in faith. We didn't know where the building was, but we knew God called us to the Southwest. So guess what, friends? We're moving from my home, my easy mortgage, and we're going to come over here. And I tithed off the profit of my home. And I'm a strategic person. If you know me in any way, um, I love to plan. And in that planning, I took more of that profit of my house and I set it aside for a season of savings because I knew the future was unknown. We're planting a church. We're walking away from two full-time jobs. I'm walking away from tuition being covered for my son, but I'm yours, God. I remember sitting in my prayer chair in the morning and I'm asking God, God, I am nervous about this church. My job's about to end, God. I got this stuff in savings, but, but what, are, what are we doing? We have no building. We have a team, and yet we're supposed to start this church in two months. What's going on, God? And God said, Lindsay, I want you to go into your savings, and I want you to give 10% of it away. Whew. You got to hear me, friends. I had already tithed. I am faithful in tithing. And yet God goes into my heart because tithing is a test of the heart. Giving is also a test of the heart. And he says, Lindsay, you got some control issues in your life. And I know you think you've set aside this strategy to get you through these next coming months. And, and that's good. I, I'm all for strategy. But I need to know that you are not king of your life. I need to know that I am king of your life. I need to know that church planning was not your idea. Church planning was my idea. I need you to know that you are simply being obedient to my plan. My husband has said over and over again, Avenue Church belongs to Jesus. And Jesus Christ is going to build his church. And with that, God went to my control, which was linked to my money, which was linked to my provision. And he had me give it away. I cried. <laughs> I cried. And what's so funny, I gave some away and the next morning he had me give more because it wasn't enough. God is faithful. There are too many scriptures in the Bible that tell you that you're never going to go without you're not going to go out without clothing on your back. You're not going to go without shelter. You're not going to go without food in your belly. But here's the deal. As your pastor, I don't want you to go without blessing. That is provision. That is an awesome, faithful father to say, you're going to have clothes on your back. You're going to have a roof over your head. But there is blessing that is reserved, reserved not just for it to get over a struggle, but there is an overflow that God wants to pour into your lap. It's different, friends. It's not a survival, it's a thriving because I've aligned myself with his principles. God is good. So tithing is a blessed test. Again, I, I expect nothing. I'm not asking for anything. But I'm asking for you to open up your heart, open up your word and say, God, if this is true, do I need to align some things in my life so that these ordinances, that's just practical, practical, ordinary principles, so I can live out these principles and I can be blessed. Will you all stand with me? I want to pray for you today because I love you. I love you. And it would be wrong of me to withhold information 
that God can use to change your situation, not just for this year, but for year. You have no idea what God can use you to do. No clue. But I am hopeful. I am hopeful. God has favor on this church. This church is growing. This church is doing great things where people are knowing what it means to have a relationship with God and that they were made for purpose. Amen. So let me pray over you today. Dear Heavenly Father, I am so grateful for this group of men and women and children. I'm eternally grateful for them, Lord. And I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would give us the understanding and the courage to walk out your will and your ways for our life. Father, I pray for those who have shied away from the Bible. God, they know who you are. They recognize that they need you in their heart and you are making a difference. And I praise you, God, that you are making a difference in their life by being present and by saving them. But Lord, there is an area in our lives that has been untapped and we are in need of alignment, God. So I pray we would not shy away from your word, but we would go over our notes. We would look through the Bible. We would look through scripture and we would see the blessing that is associated with that one-tenth. And I ask you, dear Heavenly Father, that you would give us the courage. You would give us the faith that you are our strength. You are the one that will see us through. And you are on the other side of that giving, ready to pour out a blessing that we cannot contain. So I thank you. Give us vision. Give us faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to know more details, you can visit our website at avenuechurch.cc or follow us on social media at Avenue LV Church. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week.